Takes the tackler into the end zone. He catches it in stride and scores. This is This Week in the Mountain West. He walks into the end zone. Touchdown, Mountain West Conference champions. Hi, this is Greg Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West, and you are listening to This Week in the Mountain West. On the Mountain West Radio Network. Here we go. Welcome into the Week 10 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. I'm your host, Nate Kreckman. Four weeks remaining in the regular season, and a wild Week 9 has really put the division races into focus. In the Mountain Division, Boise State has looked like the most dominant team in the conference with a 5-0 league mark and a plus-103 point differential in conference play. Now, the Broncos do have Wyoming hot on their heels. Those two teams will play head-to-head in Laramie on November 19th, and we'll talk to Cowboys head coach Craig Bull coming up in just a few minutes. Over in the West Division, it looks like a two-horse race between Fresno State and San Jose State, both the 3-1 and one in conference, though the Bulldogs have the head-to-head tiebreak in their favor. Of course, getting to 3-1 and one was no sure thing for Fresno State Saturday at home against San Diego State. The Bulldogs trailing 28-17 in the final two minutes before a Jordan Mims touchdown and a two-point conversion trimmed the Aztecs' lead to 28-25 with a minute nine left. That's when Fresno State lined up for the onside kick. Paul Leffler with the call for Learfield. He kicks a bouncing ball that's up in the air. The dogs have a chance. Oh, they, they got, got it! it. They got Zane Pope has recovered the onside kick inside the 40 of San Diego State. <laughs> and with a minute and five seconds left, the Bulldogs miraculously have a heartbeat at Valley Children's Stadium. Bulldog ball at the San Diego State 37. Time for Jake Hayner in his first action after missing the last four games with a devastating ankle injury to conjure up that Jake Hayner magic. Three receivers right, one to the left. Shotgun snap to Hayner. Blitz coming. Fires to his right. Caught. First down and more. Remigio to the 15, the 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown. (laughs) Fresno State. Ridiculous at Valley Children's Stadium. The dogs were dead on the table and they brought out the defibrillator. Back from the grave and on top for the first time since it was 3-0. Bulldogs lead. Bulldogs win 32-28. Fresno State has won three in a row. They'll host Hawaii on Saturday. San Jose State back in action hosting Nevada last Saturday night. The Spartans did not play the week prior, postponing their game with New Mexico State after the death of freshman running back Camden McWright in a tragic accident. McWright was memorialized before the game by the Spartan fans and his teammates on an emotional evening. The Wolfpack then jumped out to a 21-7 lead before the Spartan defense would take over, sacking Nevada quarterback Shane Illingworth nine times in the win. Three-man rush. He steps up, he's hit, he's wrapped up, and he goes down again. And Viliani Fajoko, the one-man wrecking crew, continues to wreak havoc in the backfield. That's the eighth sack of the game for the San Jose State defense. That's Justin Allegri from Learfield. Spartans come back to win it 35-28. Fehoko, your Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week. Four and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, and a forced fumble in the win. Spartans 5-2 overall on the year now. The voice of the Spartans, Justin Allegri, will be our guest in the second half of this week's show.
Boise State is on fire. The Broncos have won four in a row, receiving votes in both the AP and coaches polls following Saturday's 49-10 home win over Colorado State. A big reason why the play of redshirt freshman quarterback Taylor Green. Green gets the snap. He'll keep it going to the left. Jukes a man, gets to the 10, gets to the 5, and gets in for the score. Eluding tacklers on the left side. And that is a masterful run by Taylor Green. It's 34-10. That's Bob Beeler from Learfield Green with that rushing touchdown. Plus, he threw for 305 yards and a pair of scores. Green, your Mountain West Offensive Player of the Week. And finally, from Week 9, DeWyan McNeely and Wyoming go to Hawaii and run it all over the Rainbow Warriors. Reese Monaco with the call for Learfield. Peasley gives to McNeely a big hole, and he bursts through. McNeely is into the open. McNeely to the house McNeely that's a cowboy touchdown make it three wins in a row now for the Wyoming Cowboys the latest being an impressive 27-20 road win at Hawaii improving to six and three on the year earning bowl eligibility and reclaiming the Paniolo trophy the Pokes get a bye this week before a tough three-game stretch starting with the border war at Colorado State Saturday November 12th joining us right now in his ninth season as the head coach at Wyoming it's Craig Bull coach welcome back to the show Always great to be on, Nate. All right, Coach, since the San Jose State game, your team has ripped off a three-game win streak in conference play with a plus 34-point differential, two of those wins on the road, and a defense that's holding those three opponents to an average of 16 points per game. What do you point to as the common threads that has pushed this team back into contention for a Mountain Division crown? You know what, I really think of all the teams that, that we've had since I've been our head coach in eight, they are probably maxing out on the talent level that we have. There's no Josh Allen's running around out there. And I don't want to say we're a, a ham and egg group, but that's what we are. The guys uh, play hard. They play together. They're enjoyable to coach. Uh, we're winning the hard way, uh, doing all the little things that are important to do. Uh, it's important to utilize this bye week. The Hawaii game was a, a huge win for us. Uh, the Cowboys have not won since 1997 over there, and certainly there was a lapse in scheduling. But uh, Hawaii always plays well on the road, and I, I mentioned that to our team. We were in the middle of a dogfight. We were able to get through the game, I think, without any significant injuries, which is important. Titus Swain um, had a little bit of a uh, – he had a concussion, so he's in protocol. But they've been a fun group to coach, Nate, and we'll have a big game against CSU coming up. You mentioned Titus in that run game. They piled up a season-high 365 yards on the ground at Hawaii. Much of that was without Swain, who left the game with that injury, like you mentioned. DQ James, DeWine McNeely, and your quarterback, Andrew Peasley, all had monster games on the ground. Coach, what has stood out to you about the dominance of your rushing attack, especially over these last couple weeks? Well, really, I think our offensive line and tight ends and fullbacks have done an outstanding job. Now, that's not to downplay the running ability of those guys that you just mentioned. They were all capable runs, but all those things, anybody who understands the run game understands it does start up front. There were some really good holes. Uh, Hawaii had a very impressive defensive front, and it was going to be difficult to move them. As the game went along, uh, we were able to start to impose our will on them, and that was really our ace in the hole. Andrew Peasley has played all nine games. He had two rushing touchdowns in the win at Hawaii. Coach, what has Peasley's consistency brought to your offense this season? 
A great deal of maturity. He's learning our system. You know, he certainly played quite a bit at Utah State, but uh, was in a different place here. And uh, to have that stretch, I talked to Andrew at the beginning of the year. I said, you've never been the starter the whole week in and week out. And that'll take a toll on you. So he's worked on making good decisions. He he does a great job managing our offense. Um, you know, he ran the ball well. didn't throw the ball particularly well against Hawaii. Other games he has. Uh, but he's just been a resourceful leader. And uh, he's a playmaker. Over on the defensive side of the ball, that group forced five punts and three field goal attempts at Hawaii. What did you make of that performance from your defense? Well, I thought our guys played extremely hard. There were a lot of hats around the football. Um, you know, what we're able to do now is start to make plays on contested balls in the back end. Cam Stone really had an outstanding game as a corner. Um, and now we can play better than what we did. We got one sack, and up until that time, we've been really, really good at that. But, um, you know, just overall a really solid performance. Uh, but we're going to need to play better as we get ready for the Rams. You know, you noted that lapse in scheduling with Hawaii, and the Wyoming-Hawaii rivalry has such a cool backstory to it, the way those two programs have melded the tradition together, represented by the Paniolo Trophy that your players were holding up after the game. It's all pretty fun. What does it mean to you to keep that tradition alive and to bring that trophy back to Laramie? You know, a lot of times people don't understand how we're much more alike Hawaii than we are different. And I think Coach Chang would say the same thing. Both uh, teams have a great proud history where we pride ourselves in being physical uh, you know the largest cattle ranch surprisingly in the United States is in Hawaii on the big island and so um, you know just a, a true grittiness about the two programs and that uh, we've always enjoyed our comp uh, competition. They're great hosts, and we appreciate their presence in the league. We're visiting with Craig Bull, the head coach of the 6-3 and three Wyoming Cowboys. Coach, when you look at the way that your team plays and the way that your team wins, how important is it for your offense, defense, and special teams to complement one another, and what does that look like when it's all clicking at its best? Well, you know, the key buzzword right now everybody talks about is complementary football, and that just means all three phases of the game uh, you can usually win going two or three uh, if you're if you're you don't even have to be dominant in in those areas but if you click off three for three the chance of winning goes way way up and that's how we've been winning right now the win was the sixth of the season that's bowl eligibility now for the sixth time in the last seven years what does that accomplishment mean to you and your program and in particular to get to that mark before the calendar even flipped in november well, it's a pretty high bar, and uh, that's something that Wyoming has not done in a long, long time. And the one year that we were not eligible, that was during COVID, which was such a unique year. And that's not to, to downplay anything. Nay, uh, we're in a we we develop a program where I believe now we're consistent. Uh, we're consistently winning, and now we need to elevate and take the next step to, to where we're vying for a conference championship. And you have a younger team this year. What have you laid out as far as a mantra for these guys to follow to keep things building in the right direction? Well, what we really talked about, uh, you know, there's a saying called Powder River and Letter Buck up here. And that's a, it's a, it's an old saying that goes back almost to uh, the World War II days when, you know, the troops were running over and uh, over in Italy and they would yell Powder River and Letter Buck meant we got your back. And 
that goes into each player having each other's back and being accountable on the team and doing all the little things uh, right. You know, we're not blessed with this all these great, great dynamic players, but we play really hard and we play together. And this is now your 20th year as a college head coach, including your 11 seasons at North Dakota State. Coach, every season is different. Every, every team is different. What stands out to you about coaching this group of Wyoming Cowboys here in 2022? As I said earlier, that's probably been the most enjoyable uh, group to coach simply because they're so eager to take coaching. They, they, they don't break up excuses. They want to know what the coach wants them to do. They're going to try to do it as hard as they can. Um, and, you know, those, those, are, those are teams that are special. And in my mind, in those 20 years, every team has a different flavor. But these guys don't even know what they don't know. I mean, they're just, okay, coach, what do we need to do? And uh, I'm going to go do it at the end of the game. We're going to take a look at the scoreboard. And it's worked quite well so far. All right, coach, I want to go a little old school here. In 1995, you returned to your alma mater, the University of Nebraska, mm-hmm. and you joined Tom Osborne's staff as the linebackers coach. You were on staff on the 95 and 97 national championship teams. Looking back now, what were the biggest lessons that you carried forward in your coaching career that you gained being a part of those historically great mm-hmm. Husker teams? Well, I think uh, Coach Osborne had a real sense of, of who he was as a head coach. He had a, uh, a great ability to connect with players, to bring out the best in players, to, to rise teams. What everybody thought was our greatest weakness uh, at Nebraska turned out to be the greatest strength. He was very consistent. He, he took things that other people thought were complicated. He made them simple. But he had a deep abiding care for everybody within the organization. And that had an indelible impression on me. Um, you felt like you were you were part of the program. It wasn't like he was the boss. Everybody knew he was the boss, but he didn't tell everybody he was the boss. And so uh, there was real ownership and real care and love for each other within the program. And now you get a buy, and then the border war in two weeks. And, Coach, we all know Wyoming and Colorado State, great rivals. The fans have no love for each other. But you and Jay Norvell go back a ways. What is your mm-hmm. history with the Norvell family, and what are your impressions of Jay as a rival head coach? Well, Jay, I know this year has probably not turned out exactly how they wanted. He's a prince of a guy. Uh, I first uh, got to know the Norvell family. I coached Jay's brother, Aaron, when I was a young linebacker coach at Wisconsin. And then got to know his father. His father was the athletic director in Michigan State. Uh, Jay spent some time at Nebraska when I was not there. Um, and uh, we've just enjoyed uh, you know, a great friendship through the year. That doesn't mean that we're not going to be competitive. We certainly are. But uh, appreciate all that, that, that he does and how they're operating, and, and we're going to anticipate a great ball game against the Rams. It's going to be a good one coming up here in two weeks. All right, Coach, what stands out to you when you look around this Mountain West here in 2022? What has stood out to you about the league here this season? Well, by and large, you you look at parity. Um, we've always talked about that on any any given Saturday. Anything anybody can win. Now, it seems to me that at Boise, you know, they made some pretty seismic changes within their program uh, with Dirk Cutter coming out of retirement and running the offense and reshaping that. And um, but uh, I, you know, I just think any given Saturday, somebody's going to get beat. And we've had competitive games every week. 
Um, it's an exciting league, and it's going to be exciting to see how everything comes down to the stretch. As I said earlier, remember November because a lot's happening in November. It sure is. We got a bye week and then a three-game push and a shot at a Mountain Division title here. Craig Bull, head coach of the 6-3 and three Wyoming Cowboys. Coach, congratulations on a great season so far. Best of luck the rest of the way. Thanks a lot, Nate. Bye now. We talk San Jose State with the voice of the Spartans, Justin Allegri, after these messages. This is Jane Arvell, head football coach of Colorado State University. We'll be back with more of this week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Brent Brennan, head coach of the San Jose State Spartans. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. San Jose State now 5-2 overall, 3-1 in conference to sit atop the West Division tied with Fresno State. After Saturday night's 35-28 comeback win over Nevada, the Spartans get set to host Colorado State coming up this Saturday night. The season has, of course, been one of mixed emotion as the team has dealt with heartbreak at the passing of freshman running back Camden McWright in a tragic accident. Joining us right now to discuss all of this around the San Jose State program, the voice of the Spartans, Justin Allegri. Justin, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good, Nate. Uh, thanks for having me on. appreciate it. Great to have you back, as always. Justin, the last few weeks... Camden's tragic passing, the postponement of the New Mexico State game, the emotions of Saturday night at SefQ Stadium with the pregame tribute to Camden, then the come-from-behind win over Nevada. What has this team and this staff gone through, and where are they now? Gosh, it's really hard to, to accurately describe uh, what they've gone through the last couple of weeks. Uh, off the field, it's just been a, a roller coaster of emotions for for everyone involved. Um, you know, Camden was a was a great kid, uh, a freshman that had a, a bright future for San Jose State, and uh, he was going to be a major contributor uh, for the Spartans. And you, you you lose him so tragically and so suddenly, and. You're dealing with very young individuals trying to uh, wrap their heads around the loss and, and how to how to grieve and how to handle things. And at the same time, you're asking them to continue on a season and continue going to class and uh, try to tr- try to just move forward. So everybody handles it differently. Um, and as a collective group, I think, the, the the whole team as a as a as a unit is very very close, which has helped getting them through this. But still, uh, it, it, everyone it's it's in the the front of everyone's minds. Um, it's been tough, and so yeah, it was very nice to see the tributes. Um, Camden's family was on the field last week, which was really good. Um, the the team is trying to honor him in in a variety of ways. And at the same time, they, they know that they have to move forward. They know that this season is still something pretty special and that there's a lot to go. So it's, it's a lot to try and figure out if you're you know 18 to 22 years old. Uh, and the coaching staff has done a great job to try and keep them on track and also give them the proper outlets to be able to talk through things. And the tragedy happening in the midst of this great season, and then you saw Saturday night from down 21-7 to in that third quarter against the Wolfpack to coming back and winning 35-28. Justin, you called the action. What kicked into gear for the Spartans? Yeah, and, and that goes with some of the other emotions that just go through a season, right? The highs and lows, because San Jose State, just two weeks prior, they were going to Fresno State thinking, hey, if we win this game, we're on track to maybe make a championship. They didn't play their best football. They lost. 
and then they have everything going on off the field with Camden, and then they come back, and you, you didn't really know what team was going to be on the field. And for the first two quarters, it, it was a it was a flat team. There were some mistakes. There wasn't as efficient offense that we'd seen all year long. But in the fourth quarter, what changed really was the defensive pressure put up by the front uh, from San Jose State. Billy Ami Fajoko, Cade Hall, they, they just started to wreak havoc like they really do um, when they're at their best. And it allowed for some momentum to be built. And then when you have Shevin Cordero that has the ability to make a play with his arm and with his legs, you give him more opportunities with the football, good things are going to happen. So he found his rhythm again, and the offense started to click. And you'd hate to, to, to lose a game like that, but look, I don't think the Spartans are going to care what the score was at the end of the game. It's impressive that they came from behind, and they know that they needed to win that game if they wanted to keep their hopes alive at making a championship, and, and they did it. So I think with everything that went into that game leading up, um, getting a win was the most important thing, and it didn't matter how they got it. Yeah, the story of that game in terms of the comeback was the play of Cade Hall and Viliami Fajoko. This is as good a pass rush duo as there is on the West Coast. I don't care what league you're talking about. Those two players and what they bring to this group, and especially Cade being fully healthy this season, how has their play defined that side of the ball for San Jose State? Yeah, I think you hit on it, too, with Cade being healthy. We didn't see a fully healthy Cade Hall last year, and we are now. And what we are seeing is that Fajoko, every year, has gotten better and better and better. And it's in different facets of his game, but he's getting refined in certain areas. He's getting strong. He's getting aggressive. And he is a violent, violent player when he needs to be. And that's great. You want to see him blow things up. The last two games that he's played have just been phenomenal. He had a strip and a fumble recovery at Fresno State that ultimately turned into a touchdown that gave the Spartans the lead at halftime. And then he had all the sacks this week and the tackles for loss. And that, that, that tandem, and nearly that group, that, that front group, really does provide a lot of the burst that the Spartans use throughout the course of the season. And, and we always say on our, our broadcast that if the offense isn't going, it will be because the defense is going to make some sort of play to spur the offense, get them back on the field, give them more opportunities. And that's what it's been. A lot of turning points in games this year have not been because of a big offensive play, but it's been a play from Viliami or, or, or Cade or an interception in the secondary. It's just so much fun to watch this group play. Yeah, four and a half sacks for Fehoko. He is your Mountain West Defensive Player of the Week. Let's go over to the other side of the football. Shevin Cordero, right now one of the favorites to win the Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year award. Um, a name that Mountain West fans came to know when he started Hawaii. What's been the difference for this team with Cordero making the adjustment to new school, new coaches, new teammates, living on the mainland, and guiding this team to a 5-2 and two record so far. You know, it's, it's interesting to watch him because as a Spartan broadcaster, I saw him once a year usually when we played Hawaii. And you kind of appreciate how good he is, what he could do with his legs, and you know how he approaches a game. But you don't really appreciate what you see off the field every day now that he's a member of San Jose State. I mean, he is a very, very hard worker. He looks at a lot of film. He talks to all of his receivers. He talks to the offense about different elements, how they can improve. I mean, he's just a student of the game. And when you, you couple that with guys that are very skilled in the wide receiver position that were brought over in, in Cooks and Lockhart and the guys that were already here, it really is a, a good combination that 
uh, allows the Spartans to be very dangerous offensively. But to me, the impressive stuff about Shevin is that he, he knows when to take his losses. The, the completion percentage may not be high, but I, I'd say maybe three or four times a game he's intentionally throwing incompletions just to cut bait, get back to work, because he knows that he can make a play with his legs, one, to, to get another first down and, and move uh, the, the drive along. But two, he, he's also got those receivers to lean on. So if he needs a third and nine, he's got multiple targets to go to. So it's been really fun to kind of watch him progress, uh, get more and more comfortable with the, the weapons he has at his disposal, and just, just keep moving this team forward offensively. It's been really, really fun to watch. Speaking of those receivers, Elijah Cooks, another in-conference transfer to this program from Nevada, leads the way on this team in all receiving categories. How good has it been to see him fully healthy and productive in a change of scenery playing in this offense? It's, it's really fun. And, and you know, the, the thing that the Spartans missed last year were a couple of wide receivers. You think back to the championship season when Bailey Gaither and Trey Walker were the two guys on the edge. One can really, really run a quick route downfield. The other would just make a play no matter what. That's what was missing last year. And now you bring in a guy like Cooks who can do both of those things on any given moment. Uh, it, it really makes it dangerous. And, and Lockhart's been uh, as impressive, you know, going out and getting third down receptions, uh, there have been other roles there, too, but but Cooks is a guy that if it's a 50-50 ball, he's making it really a 70-30 ball because he'll go up and get it and, and make a play. Uh, and that's something I, I think we saw a little bit at Nevada, but you mentioned the health. When he's healthy, uh, he, he's a beast. He, he's a big guy. He's, he's strong. He'll go out there and get it. He'll run good routes. It all adds up to good things, and, and he's been a real, real big part of the reason why San Jose State has such success. And a big part of the reason why maybe the turnovers aren't uh, as as much as we've seen. Only one interception this year, but guys like Cooks are just going up to get the ball in those 50-50s. Want to wrap up the conversation, ask you a little bit about Brent Brennan, one of our favorites here on this show. We always love to visit with him. When you watch him coach this group year in and year out and the challenges and the ups and downs of guiding through a college football season, all the challenges that coaches are up against now and the changing landscape of the sport, what has Brent Brennan done to keep the ship steady at San Jose State and keep this program on an upward trajectory? Well, I think he came into the job kind of understanding what was needed at San Jose State and what hadn't been done at San Jose State. Uh, and, and really, the major part of that is being consistent no matter what you do. And so he wanted consistency, whether that be in his coaching staff or the way that they recruit or the way that they handle going to class or in the weight room. He just wanted to be consistent. And so that takes time. Um, it, it took a few years for him to get it going, but now that the players know what they're getting day in and day out. I, I think there's some sort of rhythm there and some sort of comfort there for the players. Um, and, and that allows Coach Brennan to push when he needs to. Uh, and he's really calculated and really good at, at being able to do that, letting his other coaches handle certain elements if they need to, stepping in when he needs to, understanding each player differently as an individual, and, and connecting to them. I, I, I think probably that's the best thing I see from Coach Brendan is he knows how to get to every player using a different way to get to those players. Um, very, very versatile the way he talks to people and the way he approaches things. And I think you couple that with the consistency that he's brought in, and, and that's why you're seeing success uh, and at least sustained success 
uh, for the first time in a long time here. Yeah, it's a 5-2 and two football team, 3-1 and one in the West Division in Colorado State coming up Saturday night at SefQ Stadium, 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain Time, the kickoff in that one. Justin Allegri, the longtime voice of Spartan football and basketball. Justin, excellent work as always. Thank you so much for the time. And Nate, anytime, my friend. Up next, we preview the entire Week 10 schedule here on the Mountain West Radio Network. This is Ken Wilson, head coach of Nevada Wolfpack. We'll be back with more of This Week in the Mountain West right after this timeout. This is Troy Calhoun, head coach of the Air Force Academy. Welcome back to This Week in the Mountain West. Six games Saturday starting bright and early, 9.30 a.m. kickoff time for those of us in the Mountain Time Zone. The 2022 Commanders Classic Air Force and Army at Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas, televised nationally on CBS. Air Force would win its record 21st Commander-in-Chief's Trophy title with a win over Army this week. Then it's a Mountain Division matchup at 1.30 Mountain Time. New Mexico and Utah State both coming off the bye in a game you can watch on CBS. Sports Network. We'll follow that up immediately on CBS Sports Network with UNLV visiting San Diego State at 4 p.m. Pacific. Both the Rebels and Aztecs in must-win mode at 2-2 two two in that West Division race. Boise State will wrap up the non-conference portion of their schedule, hosting BYU at Albertson Stadium on FS2 at 5 p.m. Mountain Time. The Broncos riding a four-game win streak. The Cougars stumbling into this one on a four-game losing streak. And then we close it out late night with a pair of critical games in that West Division race. San Jose State hosting Colorado State at SefQ Stadium at 7.30 Pacific, 8.30 Mountain on NBC Sports Bay Area. You can also stream that game on the Mountain West Network available at the MW.com. And Fresno State takes on Hawaii on FS2 also at 7.30 Pacific. That's 4.30 p.m. in Hawaii. Both Fresno State and San Jose State 3-1 and one atop the the West. Craig Bowles, Wyoming Cowboys, as well as Nevada, are idle this week. And that will do it for the Week 10 edition of This Week in the Mountain West. I'm your host, Nate Kreckman. Enjoy your college football weekend. This is Craig Thompson, Commissioner of the Mountain West. We'll talk to you next week right here on This Week in the Mountain West.